News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio, where you want it, when you want it. Good morning, and welcome to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. My name is Jay Thomas, and with me, like always, Jill... And Rick Van Dyvendyke. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And we got to start with something special because it is a special day. We always get the holidays here in Garden Talk. Yep. We always get the special days. Yes. Happy, happy, happy Mother's, Mother's Day. Day. Yeah. Yes. Happy Mother's Day, Jill. Thank you. Yeah, and happy Mother's Day to my mom, Kim, at home. Yep. And she actually has my two boys with her this morning. And so she's playing a grandma and mom today. Excellent. Today. And uh, what an amazing influence she's had on um, our lives as kids. She has been a mentor to us and she has taught us hard work and she's taught us how to be creative. And uh, she has kind of been the, the brains behind change in the business and making sure it's all implemented. So yep, absolutely. I really appreciate my mom a lot for that. Well said. Happy Mother's Day to my mom and my, my mother-in-law, I think, who are both listening possibly this morning. So thanks for, uh, for being great moms out there. And, and to all the moms, thanks for, for what you do. It's, yes. it's an amazing job. <laughs> so thank you. Uh, hey, thanks for joining us on Garden Talk. We've got already calls and texts coming in. You can join the conversation at 1-877-332-8255. Uh, because it's springtime. It's a two-hour show. Yeah, we've got two hours of this. It's just great. Lots of time to get through. I notice. Okay, so we're sitting out in front of the South Saskatchewan River. Yep. Uh, this show is based out of Saskatoon. Even if you're hearing it in Regina right now or across the whole province, we're in Saskatoon. And there's just now a green tinge. I, I noticed that when I was, I was traveling, uh, you know, um, out, out home and looking at all the bluffs in the countryside. And all the aspens have popped their leaves. And so when a lot of farmers, that's, that's the sure tell when the, when the bluffs pop their leaves and aspens, aspens pop the leaves, that means it's seeding time. Yeah. Right? Get her, get her done. So the same thing with their own yards. As soon as you notice your, your spireas and your potentillas and your other little, maybe your, you start seeing your hydrangea buds starting to swell. That means the soil is starting to warm up. And then that means you can start getting out there and, and, and planting. And planting your things like putting your ground, especially your ground crops in, you know, put your potatoes in the ground. Um, now the temperature's getting warm enough to do that. Yeah. And, you can put uh, your beets in the ground. Any beets, of your seeds you can yeah, start doing right peas, now. Peas are okay, you know, so, but you got to make, you want to make sure the soils, I mean, sorry, we're all across Saskatchewan. So up by Prince Albert and Melford area, you got a little bit longer to wait. Yeah, that's okay? right. But remember, watch those trees. And once you start seeing yeah. them butt up, then that's time. Then the other time. thing in the greenhouse, people were coming into the store and asking lots of questions this weekend about uncovering their perennials and their tea roses and all of that kind of stuff. So now that now we've started seeing the budding, you can, it's, you're safe to kind of uncover everything everything should be can be uncovered right now and uh and so now it's safe now the buds are coming out now even because you know we always say also we want to per- not open things too much because especially in cleaning up because all the ladybugs are all underneath and protected but mm-hmm. now all the leaves are starting to bud out now there's going to be food for them to go and scrounge for so mm-hmm. now you can get things cleaned up and and get things ready to go around the yard well and- it's exciting it's exciting that's what i'm doing in yeah. fact tomorrow i've got the day off and tomorrow i'm Gonna, yard work day. Yeah, it's yard work day. It's, get, get the lawn raked out, you know, yep, and, de-thatch. and de-thatch, get the fertilizer down. That's what now I'm doing. Mother's Day weekend, I always say that's the weekend you start fertilizing all your shrubs and trees. Mm, okay. Okay, so now you can start doing that, and there's all kinds of fertilizers you can use, whether whatever you like, whether it's 20-20-20, or I always sort of say, talk about 30-10-10, or like you've got fruit trees, you can use a... a, a 
a fruit and berry uh, fertilizer, which is not a high nitrogen, because if you put too high of a nitrogen, fruit trees won't produce as well. So, right. But they still need all your other, a little bit of nitrogen, but they need all your magnesium, calcium, boron, everything else. And so that's why you want to get more of an organic type of a fertilizer for your fruit trees, whether it be Saskatoon's, your Hascaps, apple plums, uh, all this, all your fruit, fruiting type of plants. And, um, and also if you've got things like blueberries, and those kind of things, you can also add a little bit of a aluminum sulfate around them, mm-hmm. and um, so mm-hmm. um, so there's lots of those kind of things you can do in the garden and, and gardens. If you're rototill, getting your garden ready for this, you know, to start rototilling to plant. Yep. Um, there again, uh, put a put a if you can put a little bit of aluminum sulfate into your soil or do a soil test first. A lot of central part of Saskatchewan, their their pH is is fairly high. And so if you want a better crop, get your pH down around 6.5 to 7, okay, which is which is better. Um, and your plants will do a lot better, so putting a little bit of aluminum sulfate into them. If you've got a hard garden, which is a big question I get all the time mm-hmm. about gardens, mm-hmm. is my garden was so hard, it was so dry last year, it was so hard, is mix in some, if it's really hard, mix in some uh, cedar mulch. Okay. Not cedar chips, but mulch. Just a bit of that, put about a half an inch or so across the whole garden and work it in. All those little sticks and everything else will help break it up. And you can also use a bit of gypsum. Right. And that'll make it so it doesn't go hard on you. It's just huge. Those gypsum you buy in a bag. It's like a powder, yeah. right? It's it's more like a little rock. Oh, okay. It's more little like granules. a little granular rock, and it breaks up all the clay particles. Okay, perfect. Hey, speaking of the fertilizer we were just talking about, I think that's going to be our one, our, our first call here this morning. We've got Paul, who's kind of the early bird getting the worm here. He's been on the line since we started the show, and thanks for your patience, Paul. Uh, good morning. How are you? I'm good. Hey, Jill. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, you guys, um, I've been uh, I've started my plants, peppers and stuff uh, in February, and I've only been using alfalfa yep. tea. Yep. Very healthy. Um, you know, I'm start. I'm getting flowers. I'm pulling the flowers off, and you know the little bug. You know they're starting to fruit out. Um, they're in six inch pots right now. I'm just wondering. Um, I've always gone to the fish fertilizer for my second, as well as putting in um, a bone meal. What else should I use? You're doing it all. That's all you need to use. <laughs> if you're using some bone meal, using fish fertilizer, you have alpha pellets. For those plants, I mean, that's I just used in my garden it, when I put tomatoes along the house in that pure sand spot. I just used uh, that's all I used was alfalfa pellets and a, a, a tea, right? That's all I used. Yeah. So yeah. no, if you're going to start using the, the the fish fertilizer, which which gives you a lot of other the other type of minerals you need for the for your good tasting tomatoes and vegetables, um, no, and peppers. So yeah, no. You know, alfalfa pellets, the fish fertilizer, and you said you're using some bone meal, which gives them that 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 boost of calcium as well. Right. That's all. You 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 got it all. That's all. That's all those plants need. Now, one thing that um, peppers don't like as much as they don't like a high nitrogen, especially yeah. later on. And you, if you have too much nitrogen in your soil, you got to watch that you don't add a lot more nitrogen. Or else you'll get a nitrogen burn, and that will that will show up on the stem and the and, leaves and of the plant. Everything plants. he's using has a low nitrogen, exactly. so it's perfect. You're using yeah, all the I'm organics. A, I'm a pretty I'm a pretty basic kind of guy. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Question. Yep. One other question. Um, I've started some asparagus for my son. Yep. I have uh, six pots. There's probably 10 to 12 per pot. 
Um, I'm looking at planting them ne- next week. Okay. How, how should I prepare his soil and get them ready for planting? Well, the soil, they don't like to be in too sandy of a soil. They don't like to be in a clay soil. So just build your soil kind of like your garden soil that you would normally do. And then make sure you plant them at least a foot apart is really important. Um, and then the biggest thing is that you don't harvest them the first year. You want to wait till the, the little stems that are coming up are about the size of your pinky finger, the width of your pinky finger before you start harvesting them. And then you'll have a, a better crop long term. And then make sure that you don't plant them too deep. Mm-hmm. Okay. They want those, when you, when you buy them, they always have a bit of a crown. And if you bury that crown down deep, then they won't do as well. Okay. So you just want to get them started by just planting them just, you know, so the top of that, the root system is just at the ground level. Do I have to break them up the following year? Like I've read, you break up that. If you, if you want, if you want to, if you want to start splitting them up, you can do that. But I wouldn't actually do that the following year because that's the year you want to do your big harvest. You could do it the year after that. Yeah. Usually you want to do your splitting on your third year. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, he's very excited. I started my crop about 10 years ago, and I have way too many than I, that I could eat. But, mm. you know, I freeze them and I pickle them for my uh, specialty uh, drinks. You know. Well, once you do yeah. have a, asparagus established in your yard, it's it's actually a hard one to get rid of. Um, so make like sure you do plant it in a place where you're okay with it being there permanently. Yeah. Okay. Hey, thank you so much. And, and don't forget to share if you got lots uh, of them. Yeah. Oh, I do. Hey, I do. Asparagus is my favorite vegetable. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> have a great day. You too. 1-877-332-8255. That's the way you can join the conversation with the calls like Paul or a text, of course, as well. And that, that's a very good point. It's just about, you know, if you got some extra space in your yard and you're planting some stuff, put some in because I know that the food banks and, and, the, and the, um, the Friendship Inn and those kind of places yeah. will always take a lot of your extra vegetables from your garden. So plant a little extra for somebody else. That's right. Yeah, you can always share it that way too. Yeah. That's a good mm-hmm. point. Absolutely. Make it, make it go around. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Gene is on the line. Gene, just hang on. We're going to talk about pruning your maple tree when we get back. So as soon as we get back from the break, you're the first call up and then we're going to go to the text line as well. one 332 I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Hi, welcome back to Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke, and it is a two-hour special. Happy Mother's Day to my mom and my mother-in-law and all the moms out there. Yep. And thanks for joining us. And Happy well, Mother's Day to my mother-in-law and yes. my mother in heaven. Yeah. Now, so yeah. It's, it's, um, it's, it's a different Mother's Day today. Mm-hmm. So, yep. So, but, uh, but I know she's in a good place, and, uh, and uh, so now... now um, uh, I know my sisters are right now are with my father, so yep. it's, it's the first first Mother's Day without her around. So it's it's um, good. Sad to hear that, and yep. but uh, but but you know, yep. her legacy lives on. Exactly, legacy lives on. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Yes, and her children, grandchildren, and great grandchildren. Well, she contributed a heck of a lot to the 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 place that is now Dutch Growers, right? Oh, yes, so absolutely, a big part of as one of the building blocks, one of the. The founders of the business and yeah. and the, and the legacy, like you talk about, so absolutely fantastic. Yeah. No, it's um, she had six kids and and started a legacy with those six kids, and yeah, they're 
it's uh, it's it's quite a legacy of Dutch growers when they started it and come come over in the early fifties from Holland and over in the boat and when they're just just young like no kidding just barely in the early early twenties and yeah and then come to Canada not even to speak the language and then then just start start putting the putting the nose to the grinder and going for it and then starting a new business out here. And so since 1953, so 69 years. And mm-hmm. even just learning a new environment and coming over to a new country and learning about how to plant and how the winters yep. are and everything like that. Are. And oh, I actually yeah. see a lot of newcomers coming into yeah. the garden center and um, picking up annuals and thinking they're perennials and learning about things that way. So I think it's a way that we can really mentor, um, especially newcomers like my grandparents who came um, came over and are new gardeners and, well, and teach them about things, right? And they certainly had knowledge coming from, from Holland, but yeah. but everything was very different here, right? So can you imagine the you know the, the trials your, your yeah. dad and your mom went through with with growing things and oh, yeah. you know basically making their own path because there wasn't there were there were you know sort of uh, tree lots and places that grew trees at that time in, in Saskatchewan but there was no such thing really as a garden center but right no and they they were the pioneers those my mom and dad were the pioneers in Saskatchewan yes. to grow to grow plants in pots right it was being done you know in bc and it was being done in in the, states. in the states a lot and that kind of stuff but no one was doing here so my dad uh if anyone remembers that old empress bakery that used to be right by woodlawn cemetery on warmer road right yeah they used to go there and grab the cans that they used to bring all their baking needs into and they used to grow in those tin cans that was their first really that was their first growing pots that, that was locally available. And then they were able to extend, um, extend the shipping season well, because everything was in bare root. Season, because yeah. everybody else grew bare, dug bare root and sold things bare root in the spring and the fall. But my father was able to grow on the plant, sell plants and grow plants in the prairies during the during the summertime. So it was available more often, just like you see in the stores now. Everything's right. in containers, right? So right. So yeah, hmm. they were the pioneers to do that right here in Saskatchewan. Well, and now you, nobody buys anything bare root, really. Yeah. Do you, does anybody? Yeah, well, you still every get, once in a while you, you see some, some like a cardboard box no, in the store. A lot of people, especially acreages, they'll get little poplars and little mm-hmm. spruce trees, okay. and those kind of things, and bare root, just little tiny plants. And but that's when they're buying big multiples of something yeah. on the on the. T- Typical yes. consumer basis. Yes. You don't see that really anymore, no. right? So, no, you want to be able to take it in and out of your house and harden it off yeah. and get it used to the weather and water it inside and just make it your own. <laughs> Can you imagine though what, what, you know, I always think of my ancestors too and coming here. I, I, I've got Ukrainian heritage and, yeah. but can you imagine the first winter they got here? Oh my gosh, what did we get ourselves into? That's funny because I used to joke with mom and dad all the time. It says, you know, mom and dad, you know, I forgive you for getting off the <laughs> off that train, off the boat, and off the train in Saskatchewan, but uh, I'm just not sure I can forgive you for not getting back on the on train. On the train, because a lot of the Dutch people went right to BC. Well, or a sure, whole bunch of them in, in Ontario, where it's a little bit of warm. Well, and, and the, the weather in and the BC weather. is so much more like it and, is in Holland. Exactly. So, yeah. but they got off in Saskatchewan. I guess the money ran out in it, Saskatoon. It started off in Weyburn, Saskatchewan. <laughs> Weyburn, Saskatchewan, yeah. doing yeah. maintenance yeah, my, at the hospital. My dad there. was the head gardener at the sanatorium there. Oh my so gosh, that's where he started out. And, wow. Yeah. There's a little history lesson of Dutch growers just just for you. A <laughs> Impromptu little, history a lesson. A little tribute to uh, to Rick's mother. Yep. All right, so we're going to keep going with some of the calls here. Patiently waiting on the phone lines is Jean in Regina. Good morning, Jean. Hi there, everybody. Hello. Uh, my question is, I, I'm not very good at yards and feet, but I'll take a guess. Okay. I have about a 50-foot sugar maple. Yes. 
And I just wanted to know there are some small branches that need to come off because they are kind of growing over my whatever power lines or phone line or whatever. When's the best time to do that? After the tree's in full leaf. Ah, okay. Okay, so basically you're looking at about the middle to the end of June. If I cut something off, will it drop its sap? Yes, it will, if you do it right now. Like crazy. Yeah, big mess. If you do it after it's in full leaf, it won't do it very much at all. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I'm not planning on taking off any really large branches, yeah. just some really, you know, maybe two-inch. Yeah, two-inch will bleed quite a bit. Right. It'll drip quite a bit, two-inch branch. So if you wait until it just gets out in full leaf, so you're looking about the right. middle to the end of June, and then you can start pruning your maples and birches, okay? Not a problem. Okay. Uh, would it be better after you leave it later in say August yep. or something? Anytime, anytime between full leaf, like full-size leaves, okay, right, right up until the end of September. Okay. Anytime in that, sp- in that spot. Yeah, I, I've never, I've only once that, um, and I don't recall, we must have taken off of some, I think it was a broken branch. Yep. And the uh, tree just ran sap like oh, yeah. It'll run. the ants, the bees, <laughs> And that's, the, and that's the problem Everybody with it, right? Everybody was having a yeah. great meal. And then it all runs down the trunk, and the trunk turns black, and and because of the sap oxidizing. So yeah, it's just better to wait until the. It's not very long to wait until the end of June, and then from you know, then you can do all the pruning you want. Right. Okay. All right. Thank you, Sarah Watson. You're welcome. Uh, happy Mother's Day to all those moms that are no longer with us. Yes. And. To those moms that are out there enjoying a nice breakfast prepared by their family. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks, Gene. Take care. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five three zero six. Pardon me, that's the same number. I was going to say the old text line. That is the number you call for the phone lines <laughs> and the text lines. Okay. You've been doing this too long. Way today. too long. That's right. Absolutely. We're coming up on the news break right away uh, in just a moment. So Ken is going to be waiting on the line. Just hang through our our newscast for you, Ken. We'll get your calls on the, on the air here as well. Uh, this is an easy question. I think it's a simple one. Rosanda from Estevan. I got a quick easy question. When should we put our cutter bees out? Cutter bees, as soon as you see some, some, the, the, basically the choke cherries, once they start blooming, yep. you know, the wild choke cherries or the dandelions are out, those kind of things, you can put them out or you can put them out anytime now, but then you got to put some sugar water out for them to mm, feed them. Okay. What there about the temperature? Do you, does it matter what the temperature is at nighttime? Um, the, as long as it's above zero. I mean, okay. they all huddle together and, and are warm, but, uh, but, um, so we're getting close. We're getting yeah. close. I mean, awesome. they're, they're so, but as long as you put some sugar water out and that's what the beehives do as well, the people have them. All right, perfect. We're going to take a quick break. News update right now. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there, and welcome back to Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. I'm Jay Thomas with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke. Okay, what do you got in your hand there, Rick? I got it in my hand here. It's tick season. Oh, no, yeah. Tell me about it. I mean, my dog's got it. We pulled lots of ticks off her. And, and, I uh, was even checking the kids after ball, and there was some ticks on them yeah, from ball. Yeah, there's ticks so everywhere. There's ticks They're crazy everywhere. this year. Right now, everybody's talking about ticks. So there's a product out of my hand. It's, called, it's safe, made by the Safest Company, so it's a it's a very safe product to use. It's called Trounce. It's mosquito and tick insecticide. You hook it onto the end of the garden hose, and you can spray it around the yard. So if you've got problems in your own yard that you've got ticks with, so, so what does that do to those ticks? Is it something that they that, that kills them, yeah, or it just it, it just keeps them away, it, or no, what? It'll keep them away, and then and then uh, and also when you when you hit it. 
hit them on it, it'll actually will kill them. Oh, okay. So it has little, potassium salts, yeah, so fatty acids, fatty and acids, pyrethrum, which and is pyrethrum. from the chrysanthemum flower. So same right. thing that's going to kill the aphids. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. So it's a safe product to use and safe for your pets as well. We and, talk about not nuking a yard with chemicals, but this yeah. is one of those things that you yeah. do spray everywhere. And it's, it's a right. natural product. Too. A natural yeah. product. Yeah. Yes, yeah. It's yeah. not made by the Safer's company, so that's how you can tell. It's usually pretty good too. Well, so. there you go. That's a nice solution. Excellent. We'll get to some of the other stuff on the desk here, but we got Ken who's in Saskatoon waiting and he uh, wants to talk to us this morning. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. Uh, morning, guys. Good morning. Uh, two quick questions, yep. please. Uh, my potatoes, uh, they, they produce well, but they're not a compact plant. They're stringy and running all over the yard. Uh, what's any ideas? I got something right in my hand that I brought right here to talk about that. He just pulled a big bag of fertilizer and put it on the table and dropped it. <laughs> so we, there's actually a new new uh, one we ha- we handle. It's called a, it's called a potato fertilizer, and what it is is it's a six twenty twenty nine S. Okay, so that's sulfur. Okay. So the last one's the sulfur, and that's a yeah. key one as well because it helps the plant take up nutrients better. But uh, but if you use that, you don't want a high nitrogen, okay? Because that'll make it stringy, okay? Yeah. So you yeah. want to go low, and then but you want to but the, putting on the the higher f- uh, potassium as well will help make it more sturdy and str- and stronger, okay? Okay. So do I'll you? Give st- that a, I'll get that a try. Yeah. Thanks very try, much. Try some of your uh, different type of fertilizers, not not your normal type of you know fertilizer you use in it, and then you won't get the yeah you won't get it be stretchy and everything else, and and you'll have better potatoes, and the plants will be healthier as well. And there's a big picture of a potato on it, and it's called potato fertilizer too. So yeah. you'll see it in Thanks the store. a lot. Thanks a lot. I'll try that. Um, also, can I can I safely split a hide um, a, a large hydrangea? Uh, they're they're tougher because they they don't tend to. If you can, if you can get a a, a, a basically a branch that grew along the top of the ground and has and rooted itself. Okay, mm-hmm. but if you just dig it up and split the 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 basically the trunk of it, you no, know, you won't be able to do that. It doesn't it doesn't work that way because unless you can get a, a a piece, but you'll have to split off a piece. And it's not like a like some other plants where you actually get a you know you can split off a piece and they're actually individual plants. Okay, it's not like a perennial that it's dies not, back down to the yeah. ground. You can split you the can root ball that way. Ball. This one here, it'll have a main trunk. Most of them. And if you try to split that, then you're going to damage the plant. Now, like I said, a lot of times there's a branch that grows along the ground that grows up again. Those roots, yeah. you can prune that one off with the roots on it and then transplant that. You can also take cuttings on it, too, and, yep. and root the cuttings and then plant them that way. Yep. Okay, thanks very much. Okay. Very helpful. Okay. Excellent. I thanks, knew Ken. Your, I knew your folks and your grandparents, and they're very, very nice people. Yeah, Sorry no. about your mom. Thank you very much. Okay. Well, thanks, Ken. Take care. one 332 8255 Okay, we're going to go to the text line right now. We've got a couple that have come in. We've got to get through some of these. Rod is in Regina. says, my large evergreen in my front yard has a lot of branches that have died in the center part of the tree over the last two years. I sprayed it three times last year with malathion. This year, a lot of branches have a burnt look on the outside, about three inches. It's been watered lots, and I fertilize it with the sticks that you, you put on the ground, those yep. slow-release yeah. ones, uh, every year. Seems to be looking worse every year. <laughs> what can I do to help it? Thrive. Okay. What type of plant is? Well, he just called it a, a large evergreen. So large I'm not evergreen. sure if it's a okay. you know so, spruce so or a. Now, if if it's if it's just he says right, right to the tips now, right? The only question I would have with that one is that if if it's um, if it's 
just at the bottom part of the tree, right near the bottom. Then mm-hmm. just have some sun skull. And if they turn brown with a bit of, actually a bit of purple in them, then you just got a sun skull on them. Okay. It's just some burning from the sun reflecting off the snow. Right. But if it has it right all, all right through to the top brown pieces, it may be, uh, what's called needle cast disease. Okay. So you want to bring a sample into a garden center and get somebody to check that out for you, whether what, that's what it is. And then if it is needle cast, you need to spray it with copper, uh, copper sulfate or copper spray. Another name for it is Bordeaux, and you spray that about the uh, about the end of May, and then you'll spray it three times, fourteen days apart. Right now, if that was a cedar that was just um, sort of brown in the center, what would you do then? Then it's probably just spider mite. Okay. So then we need to take care of that with uh, with uh, like endol, or you can use malathion. Works really well for that, uh, but you have to be careful with malathion. But uh, those are the kind of things you can use for that. So, Rod, uh, best to maybe, you know, either take a sample into the garden yep. center in Regina, if you're around there, or take a picture and email it to rick at dutchgrowers.com. Yep. And that would help us, you know, with a little bit more information we need to yep. sort of, you take know, pinpoint up, exactly what you Picture up close and then a picture of the whole tree. There you go. Okay. okay. So, Rod, that's how you can help yourself out with that. Send an email in there. one 332 8255 And we've got more calls that have come in, which is exciting. We've got time for this one. In Saskatoon, Pat is joining us. Good morning, Pat. Good morning. What is your question for us? Well, I'm soon going to be uh, planting my cucumber seeds under a grow light, and I did listen to your first show this year, and you said uh, said that it's possible. I'm going to be using the alfalfa tea after yep. a bit, but the first mm-hmm. one I'm going to would like to give one dose of fertilizer, and I wondered what number that should be, and at what stage do I use that first? fertilizer. So you want to make sure that you have your first set of leaves or even your second set of leaves before you start doing the root boosting fertilizer. Um, So you want to go with a higher, um, the middle number in the fertilizer to get your roots going. You just want to do that one time. So you can even do like a 10, 52, 10. That's a pretty high one. There is some other transplanting fertilizers that you can do that are actually called root boosters. Uh And that one's a really good one to use too. Okay. 10, 52, 10. I like using outdoors. Indoors, it'll make them stretch quite a bit though. That's the only thing I like about that. Yeah, I would use a little bit more of a half strength solution if I was doing it indoors. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Yes. And this is why I want to do the change it this year because they've always been. So maybe I should just skip that. Yeah. And also, you probably should have started about two weeks earlier indoors. Okay. Well, actually, the cucumbers, they, because I have heat under them. Okay. So you're going to get them. In two days, they'll be up. Yeah. Yeah, They grow really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. They'll give you a head start because you're not going to be planting, you're probably not going to be putting them out till another two weeks from now, right? So. Right. Yep. Perfect. And uh, actually, I don't think I'll start them for another week because in two weeks, usually they're ready to go. Well, and with cucumbers and even the squash, starting them early is you'll start getting powdery mildews, which is that white powder on them. Mm -hmm. So because you don't have the airflow that you would have outside. So it's really important, like you said, to make sure you don't start them too early so you can eliminate some of those funguses. And then put put a little fan in your so that it'll make make some air moving around where your seedlings are. Okay. Now, and so when I uh, am going to be using, I have all my alfalfa pellets. (laughs) And so do I, uh, when I make the tea, then do I use that each time I water them, which will be just about every day. And, you know, because they're in the little compartments. Yeah. No, if you did it about every third or fourth watering, that'd be lots. Okay. And um, the other thing is, so I I got uh, a... 
a, a small and a big batch of alfalfa pellets. Yep. So I want to use the alfalfa pellets in the vegetable garden. Yep. So do I just put it on after I plant everything? You could do. You I could, just put it on the ground. Do I dig it in, or when the garden's rototilled in a week or two, do I put it in? Any, any one of the three. Oh, okay. Because you can put it right in the furrows if you want to. Okay. I can put it right with. in the right when you dig a furrow and put your seed in. You know. Oh, you I can, can put, put it right in the furrow if you want. You can put it. You can top dress it afterwards, or you can rototill it in. Okay, and do I? We have a little problem with voles. Do they want to eat these things? They could. Yes. So I might just get it rototilled in there. Yeah, they, they, yeah, that that would keep it underneath the soil, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. They, they may they may want to eat them. So uh, that's 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 the trade off. That's why if you work them into the soil, yeah, they won't be able to get them as easy. But but voles will even smell them and dig them up though too. So. Oh. So, yes, so, they're persistent. They're persistent. Yeah, so time so for put, some put, traps. Put put some uh, shoe boxes or a little box out there with the holes that the voles get into, and put a snap trap, just a regular cheap wooden snap trap, with some peanut butter and a craisin or a raisin on top of it, and they'll like that better than the alfalfa pellets or anything. And you'll catch them. A peanut butter and and a, and, a ra- and a raisin or a craisin on top of the yeah. peanut butter on the trap. And a, a shoe box. Well, because you don't want to catch a bird. Oh, right. Yeah. Right? That's Plus, the reason I use a shoebox or something that can put them inside of the bowl. But it has the bowl has to be able to get inside, but the birds will go fly down and try to get the raisin and get caught. Right. Plus, those rodents right. like to walk along the edges of things, right? That's yep. how they travel, is like on the edge of a house yep. or that sort of thing. Or a so, shed. Or a shed. So if you put it up against yep. the edge of a fence or a shed or a house, yep. that's going to be the place that they're going to they're gonna oh. be walking mostly. Okay. Great. Well, thank you so much. Okay. Thanks, Pat. Have a great day. Thank you. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. one 332 8255 You know, I'd like to talk more, but we got another break we got to go to. Yeah. So hang tight. Terry, you're up next in Pilot Butte. We're going to talk about raspberry bushes and the shoots going into the garden. What to do to stop that? I think I got an idea for that one. I think I know what Rick's going to say. <laughs> we're going to be back with a text from James, as well as Dawn in Saskatoon, Carmen and Moose Jaw, and so many more after that. So stick around. I'm Jay Thomas with Rick and Jill Van Dyke. This is Garden Talk on 980. CJME and 650 CKOM. Well, spring has sprung around a lot of Saskatchewan, and uh, we're seeing the green tinge in the trees now, and starting to see some green grass out there. I know it's not everywhere just yet. <laughs> you know, we're we're talking we're in Saskatoon, it. and I know up north, if yeah. you're listening, there's yeah. you know, there's probably patches of snow in the trees. Uh, there's probably still snow on the ground around Emma well, Lake and Waskazoo, yeah. but yeah, probably up there, there's still snow on the ground. But Prince Albert, it's gone now. That's so right. Yeah, so. that's right. So it sort of varies across the province, but hey, it's looking good at least, which is nice. And and a beautiful day, it looks like, at least for the most part, for Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Happy Mother's Day. Um, one of the things that we see in the garden center going out is lots of annuals and mm. hanging baskets and things like that. And well, thank you to, to my mom who came to my house this past week and took all of my Christmas greens out of my pot <laughs> and put them in the garbage. So life was a little bit busy and she helped me get on track again with that. So thanks, mom, for that. But the other thing I wanted to mention is what can we put in our pots? And it's like early spring and we almost can have almost three seasons with our pots. We can do an early spring, uh, spring, summer, and then we can do a fall arrangement. And so a lot of people, I've started to harden off my pansies. They've been hardening off for about two weeks now. And so now I'm ready to put them into my pots. The nighttime temperatures are staying above zero, mm-hmm. so that's good. Pansies are cold. Pansies love cool. Cold weather yep. pots. So what I'm going to do for this early season, because I want something to brighten my front yep. doorstep right now, is I'm going to fill my pots up with soil, and I'm going to put pansies in them and then take some pussy willow or 
willow branches and stick those in the middle. And then that will kind of just brighten up my yeah. front doorstep. Watch your nighttime temperature still, because if it's going below about two degrees, I'll just take a piece of frost blanket or a light sheet and I'll throw that over top of my planters and that will help them a little bit. And when too. do we switch them over to summer plants? I do that probably May long weekend to last yeah. week, to first week in June. Now, unless it's facing, you're facing east or north and you can leave the pansies, right? You've yeah, you can even sun. leave the pansies, yeah. cut them right back and yeah. add some of your spring flowers to yeah. it as well too. Yeah. Uh, one thing I'll ask before we go to our first call here with Terry is um, speaking of nighttime temperatures and that sort of thing, we're okay now, right, Rick? To, I, I gave you a call this week talking about getting the sprinklers going, underground yeah. sprinklers and the manifolds yeah. on your house. Just watching the temperature, if uh, yeah, you get it going, I got the garden center fired up. This is what I'm doing is I'm watching the temperature. So if I'm getting down close to zero, yeah. then I'll just throw a blanket over top of my manifolds or, tar- or I, in the garden center, I throw a tarp, you know? Uh, the underground stuff is going to be fine. Underground stuff is fine. Right. Okay, yeah. so we can start doing that part. Yep. Excellent. Start watering your lawn, getting it green. Let's go to Pilot Butte right now and talk to Terry, who's going to talk about raspberry bushes. Good morning, Terry. Good morning. How are you? Good. Good. How are you? I'm great, thank you. So, yeah, I do have raspberry bushes in the backyard. They go along the north side of the fence and the south side of the fence. Yep. And then in the east part of the yard is my garden, all in raised, like, boxes that my husband so graciously made for me. Yep. Perfect. But then those raspberries come shooting through the middle of the tomatoes and the peas, and I just, I don't want them there. I just want them where they're supposed to be. So they're coming up in the raised gardens, then? They are. They are. So what you'll have to do, then, is you'll have to... um, You'll have to dig a barrier down into the ground at the base at the base of your planters or at the at the edge of where you want the raspberries to stop. Okay. okay? So you have to dig a trench, basically. Yeah. And then you'll have to put a barrier down. And what you can do for that barrier, you just put landscape fabric, right? He- a heavy-duty landscape fabric vertically up and down. Yeah. Uh, or you can use a piece of tin. You can use pressure-treated plywood, right, whatever. Yeah. Uh, anything to – but like a regular edging that's only four inches deep is not going to stop yeah. them, Okay. Okay. You know, like the regular lawn edging. Okay, right. so it has to be something yeah. a bit deeper. How deep do you think you'd need to you'd go? You probably go twelve inches. Oh, that far. Okay, okay. good so to know. At least at least eight for sure. Okay. Okay. But if you're going twelve inches, not that much farther to go, and then you make sure, right? But, yeah. Uh, but otherwise, yeah. And put a vertical, let it stick above the ground uh, just a okay. little bit because obviously, you know, you're going to get leaves and dirt and everything else and the plant, it'll just grow over top, right? Right. But then right. if you can do that, then you'll, you'll basically divide them, divide it between, between where, you know, they're not going to grow up over into the, where, into your garden. So just put a divider up and you'll be fine to go. So, Rick, explain to me how they're getting from my raspberry patch into the garden. It's from underneath. They go all the way under from my raspberry patch, yep. like 20 feet away. They, they can, but also they, it can go from seed as well. Okay, so a bird eats a seed and poops the seed out. Okay. It can go that way too, right? But uh, but most likely it, it, it came from a, a rhizome, like a, like a piece of a root. Okay, yeah. that got there. Now, it, there might have, did it, was there a raspberry patch where your garden was before? Never, no. Because you said he just built that garden, right? Well, he built it probably five years ago because I, before that I had just a plain flat garden yep. and then I got chickweed and then I got frustrated. So he just built me the raised flower or yep. um, vegetable boxes and they're fantastic. Yep. But now these raspberries are shooting up everywhere. Like today when I look in my backyard, I probably have 30 in my garden. And what I was doing was carefully trying to pull them out and transplant them where they needed to go. Yep. But sometimes they just get so big, I just snip them off at the bottom. But if you snip, but is, that, is but, that the right thing to do? No, if you snip them off, that just that'll just make them divide. 
Okay. And grow more. So, <laughs> so I'm making so, the problem worse. So we make making the problem worse. So what you want to do is, because you, you're going to start turning your garden because you haven't planted it yet, right? Have That's you? correct, yeah. So make sure that you just go down there and dig those roots out the best you can. Okay. Okay? As, as much as we can. Don't leave a little snippet in there. Just try to take every, you know, carefully when you dig it, try yeah. to carefully dig it so you get all, you know, follow the root and, and just carefully dig it so you get as much root as you can. And you'll find out, you'll be able to follow where that root goes to. Okay. And then you can find out where the source comes from. Right. Okay. Right. And you may, okay. may, especially when it's a raised one, you have to go down pretty, a little bit deeper, right? Exactly. But get, exactly. As much, get as much of that root out as you can. That's the key. Okay. Wonderful. Okay. Well, thank you very much for that information. I'm so happy to know what I need to do now, not continue to do what I have. No, to just do. don't snip it off. It'll make it worse. Excellent. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, I appreciate Terry. it. And happy okay. Mother's Day to everyone out there. You too. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Now, you know, one thing uh, my innovative father-in-law has discovered and done is he's taken, when he's been planting raspberries before in his yard, he's taken a barrel, like a rain barrel yep. or, uh, you know, there's chemical barrels that you can get. They're, they're kind of that blue plastic. Yep. Basically, you know, sometimes cut it in half, but you use maybe two-thirds of the whole barrel, cut the bottom out of it, sink that whole thing in. Or you can take an old nursery pot. Or even that. Like a 15-gallon or 20-gallon nursery pot, you know? A big nursery pot, take yeah. Take the bottom of it out, sink it in. Now you got yourself a round circular edging, right? And it goes down quite deep. goes down whatever depth you want, right? Exactly. Six inches, eight inches, 12 inches. You cut the pot to fit the spot. Exactly. Cut the pot to fit the spot. Oh, we got a new oh, term geez. here on Garden Time. Uh, that's something that. that rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> we got to run. Okay. A news update for everybody right now. I'm Jay Thomas with Rick Van Dyven, Nike, and Jill. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Welcome back to number two, our number two of Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Jay Thomas with Rick and Jill Van Dyke. Okay, so uh, we've got one more thing we want to talk about yep. now, now our number two, one more product that Rick has brought in, and it's uh, it's seasonal and timely. Well, it's seasonal, but you can use it multiple seasons. That's right. Okay, because what it is is called, a, I call it instant tunnel cloche. Okay, which is like cloche, <laughs> cloche. It's a hoop house. It's a hoop house. It's a miniature hoop house, right? It only basically sits. Uh, it's basically sits about twelve inches off the ground. Little hoops, okay. Yep. And then you can plant your radishes inside of it. The one thing I'll talk about why radishes for, but you can put your tomatoes in that. So you can start them off in here, mm-hmm. okay. And then you can also use this tomato thing to help finish off some of your your crops if later in the season okay so but one thing that it works good for starting you can start earlier so that because especially helps the nighttime temperatures so it's like it, a frost blanket it's like a frost blanket so water will go through it light will go through it it's like a white cloth okay yep and it's a little greenhouse this one here is three meters long okay and what it also works good for is everybody says they have troubles with their with their onion maggots. Okay? Yeah, right. Or getting radish, onion maggots on the radishes and that. Well, it's a fly that goes around. It comes out and hangs around to you plant your seeds and then pops up and the fly lays its eggs. Well, if you put this down over top of your crop and you leave it on there for a couple of weeks, then the flies will say, oh, I can't get at these onions. They'll go somewhere They'll else. go somewhere else, right? So you have to make sure you set it up properly. You can also use it for over top of your cabbages when the cabbage moths all show up. Mm, yep. You know, you can use it for that to keep the cabbage moss off of it. Uh, so, and there's so lots of things you can use this just to, even just to put your tomatoes out early, and mm-hmm. then you, you can take it off once your tomatoes get started and get 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 started and growing quicker because it'll help heat up, heat up heat up the ground a bit better and also stop that nighttime temperature. So you can start your garden a lot quicker with one of these. So well. prevents yeah. bugs from getting in, but yep. also raises the temperature. Yep. 
and get stuff, and then it keeps the temperature up. Yeah, and, and then, keep put it back on in the fall when you got to finish the plants yeah. off. Yeah, and the other thing that you can do is there's something called a cozy coat that you can put around your tomatoes too, and you fill those up with water. But you can do a similar thing underneath this yep. little one with by filling up clear water bottles or clear um, two liter water bottles with water. They'll heat up during the day with the sunlight, and they'll release the temperature in the evening. And they do that a lot up north with um, the permafrost, so they can start gardening up there. Yeah. So you just fill up your bottles and put them close by your plants. Mm-hmm. Right, and then they'll release the heat at nighttime. The you could food. use a, uh, a, a milk jug, no, yeah. you know, that's clear. You could yep. use a, a recycled pot bottle that's, that's clear. Yeah. Exactly, fill it up with water. Just put it and sit on the soil next to it. And All these like, different hey, ways we can use it. Our... a little bit so it won't fall over. Right? Yep, sure. And so yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, we're gonna get to the text line in just a second. We've got uh, Carrie who's waiting patiently up in Candle Lake. Hi there, Carrie. Morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Very good. Thanks. Hey, I was wondering what I could plant for a hedge that would act as a privacy fence. A privacy fence? So um, you could plant, obviously, a cedar hedge if you want to be privacy all year round, right? If you're not right. worried about privacy all year round, you could you could put in things like, uh, a, depending on how much space you have, Cotone Aster works really well. Okay. Another one is uh, any type of a honeysuckle bush that, that actually could even put a has cap. How tall do you want it to grow for privacy? About five feet tall. About five feet tall. Yeah, you could put a has cap in, and that will give you berries as well as as uh, give you a, a privacy fence. It'll do really well because the 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 honeysuckle it's a honeysuckle family, so it fills in really nice. Um, Cantonese aster, you have to keep them trimmed because they'll get taller. They'll get about eight feet tall, uh, but it grows fast. Uh, so there's for that height, those are the ones that I think that I would do better. And uh, if you want, just uh, the cedars are going to get way taller. Okay. Only trouble is, like you're in you're in Canada Lake, right, Kerry? Yeah, that's correct. So yeah, I mean, don't put the cedars in. Right. See, yeah, the, the elk are going to eat them. What about if if you have a fence line, you don't have a lot of width to go with? You could always plant some great plants or some hops up there too, and they'll grow along the fence, and that would be a great privacy barrier. Yeah, as if well you put too. a fence up, yeah, just like a chain link fence or a wire fence. And even put a grapevine or a Virginia creeper, mm-hmm. okay? And that'll give you, so it doesn't be so wide, and then give you a total privacy. Oh, perfect. That'd be great. And the deer won't eat that? The, no, they'll nibble on it, but you know what? If it trims it a bit, it's not it going to hurt it. so quickly. It'll grow so fast back again. Okay, perfect. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks for waiting, Kerry. Take care. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Okay, we got lots of texts we want to get to here, so we're going to get into some of these as well. Okay, where are we starting with here? Uh, James says, "Can I still prune my crab apple tree, or is it too late?" It's getting a bit late. They're going to they're going to be in another few days, another about another week or so. They're going to start blooming, so yeah. it's a bit late. You could do a little bit. Um, some minor pruning on it. No, I wouldn't do any major pruning right now. Otherwise, just wait until the you know the plant is fully leafed out again, or otherwise do it again in the fall in October. Okay, uh, this is from Saskatoon. Don asks, my house is on a corner, uh, on a lot facing south and open to the west. The west side bakes the afternoon sun. Yep. What shrubs would be a good idea to plant on that west side? West side, oh, lots can go there. Smaller shrubs, Potentilla, Spirea, will love it there. Yeah, they like uh, the heat. Yeah. yeah, the heat. The nine bark uh, will do good there. Dogwoods will do very well there. 
Uh, there's uh, and you can do some companion planting, do yep. some Carl Forster grasses, some blue fescues. Yeah, um, the, the, there's lots of companion planting to do, so you can do some taller shrubs and then group them with um, some smaller perennials around it, and that would give you a nice full look. Exactly. You know, in fact, when it's high heat and hot like that, yep. there's actually more options than there yep. is for oh, absolutely places that are damp or are mm-hmm. dark and, and cool. something of a different burning bush turns really red in the fall. That's Cranberries a, turn nicer red in the fall. Yep. So there's. There's lots of different plants. The key to success with the heat, though, is making sure that you're fertilizing and also Watering. getting them water, yeah. especially into those August months when they're yeah. when they're going. And then you want to stop your fertilizing about August, first week of August yeah. as well. What you don't want to plant there, because it's facing west, is a cedar, correct? Uh, up against the building. Up against away, the building. Away from the building is fine, but just up against the building. Right. Because just a little bit too much heat in the wintertime. And exactly. a hydrangea I wouldn't put if it was that hot. Yeah. Right. I yeah. think the, you can the, melt that. The, all yes. the flowers will just turn all brown colored. <laughs> So. <laughs> okay, one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. That's what you call and what you text as well to get a, be a part of the show. Uh, Carmen and Moose Jaw. Good morning. Last year I planted some hostas in pots. I put them in an unheated shed for the winter. Can they be revived, or what can I do to revive them? They may. It depends if how much freezing and thawing has happened. If uh, the the root is completely frozen, it, it might not survive. But if you take it out and start watering it now, um, you'll start seeing some new growth come out of that, and then you'll know if it's going to survive or not. But the best thing to do with your perennials, if you want, have them in pots, is actually dig them out of that pot and plant them right into, into the, the ground. Into the garden or someplace where you can pop them back out of the ground again and plant them back in the pot again. Yeah, right. so plant them back. In the, and then what I would do even is you can even dig them up early or bring them inside the house later on or even sink that pot into the ground in the garden and then you can pull them out and then you can maybe start them a little bit earlier in your home so that you get a head start because those hostas sometimes take a little bit of time. The only thing right. if you're going to put your pot in the ground is that some people want to put a piece of plastic over top to protect it from getting the pot getting dirty. No. Don't do that because it'll stop the heat, heat sink coming up protecting the plant. You can put use burlap, pa- burlap or paper. Or paper or something like that just to protect the pot if you want to bury the pot. And all. So it's easier to find it in the spring. Well, just that you can yeah. dig it up and you, know, you just pull the paper off and you don't have to pull all the dirt off of the pot. Exactly. Okay. Uh, Gail says, good morning, happy Mother's Day. I've got an ant problem along the side of my garage. Most of the area is a cement patio. I've used some spray, but what else? What else? She's not getting rid of her auntie. She just wants her ants out of there. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> yeah Sorry, that's a terrible if, joke. If it was if it was in the if it was in the grass or, or in the shrub bed, there's nematodes which you can use. That work really well. Yep. But on the pads, that doesn't work because the nematodes have to be able to go down where it's moist and underneath the pad where they're hiding, it's not going to be moist and the nematodes aren't going to get to them. So all you can really do is just. Um, Put some uh, ant bait out there. There's lots of different ant baits out there that'll attract them. And or you can use spray a Doctor Doom little all along the pavement. And as soon as they cross it, um, the the ants die. Or diatomaceous earth is another one. That's a safe, uh, just organic thing. It basically is broken up seashells, and it basically gets into all the joints of the ants and just dehydrates them. Right. One thing I know, and I know we don't, we don't often talk about home remedies, but yep. this is one that I have tried and it's worked for me in places. Is borax. Yep. You buy, you know, that, that cleaner. You mix it with some honey or maybe some, uh, yep. syrup and a little bit of water. Put it in a little, you know, dish. container, dish, something they can get to with a lid on it that you don't, you're not poisoning yep. birds or anything else like that. Yep. You know, put it, put it in the area yep. and they'll take it, that food down, down to the queen the and, yep. and then they'll eat it, but the borax will kill them. Yeah. So, and that, that's, I've tried that in several places and it's always worked. And in some that. people use boiling hot water, but that won't work underneath the pad. Exactly. It doesn't spread to where the nest actually is, right? So if you, so. If you give them something that they'll take down and yeah. it'll poison them, that actually works too. So yeah. borax and I, I use 
some some uh, table syrup, something, something sweet, sugar, or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. That, that that worked for me. So give that a try too. We're gonna take a quick break, quick break right now. We've got still three quarters of an hour to go in our second half of Garden Talk. So join the conversation. Lots of texts to come. Come, uh, Jay in Swift Current with Lane in Regina. Uh, we're going to talk about the the tick spray again. Uh, where else? We got lots to talk about. So stick around. It's all coming up on Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Welcome back to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM 980 CJME, and Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. It is a wonderful, beautiful, sunny day. That's the kind of day that moms deserve. At least we know where we are. I know maybe the weather might be different across the whole province listening to this, but where we are, it's, you know, sun shining and it's warming up and it's actually going to be a nice week. Uh, we're supposed to get maybe, maybe some rain on Tuesday, but it looks like for the most part, we're going to get some pretty warm temperatures, which means that probably by the time we're talking next week, Rick, we're yeah. going to have like, Leaves on the trees. Oh yeah, there's yeah. that green tinge out there. Like, Everything's going to explode. I'm looking out here right now. I can see the choke cherries are already coming to bloom. I notice all the poplars are already dropping their their flower pods down already. Mm-hmm. You'll see the little big old poplar trees that that seed everywhere. They've dropped their flower pods. You see that mess on the ground right now from those big old poplar trees. And so yeah, no, I see. You looking out here, the aspens are starting to go and and uh, starting to get their leaves. The the uh, I see some sea buckthorns just out here. They're they're pushing their buds for flower buds right now. So oh yeah, no. I'm really. also seeing a lot of weeds come up now. So if you have you don't have mulch in your yard, you yep. want to top up your mulch. Now is a yep. good time to do it and pull some of those weeds early so yep. that they don't start seeding and then you have more weeds yeah, too. Being early at it is is mm-hmm. huge. So um, um, and so when they do start when they do start getting to the close to when they're going to start to flower, mm-hmm. like maybe a dandelions and that kind of stuff, in the lawn and in the shrub beds, you can put corn gluten down. And corn gluten, what it is, it's an organic, it's a fertilizer. Yep. But it also stops when those dandelion seeds blow in from your neighbor's yard. Okay. <laughs> They'll stop them those those we, those seeds from germinating. Yes, so, it but sterilizes yeah, them. Well, it does, in yeah, a way, it basically just yeah, it's like a pre-emergent herbicide. Okay, yeah. natural one. And so, but you have to put it on uh, exactly according to the instructions. You can't make a bag go farther than it says. Uh, right. It'll, it'll always just be fertilizer. It won't act as a pre-emergent, okay? Yeah. And you can, don't want to use corn gluten in the garden. So as people <laughs> no. ask me if they will use garden. You won't all, get any carrots. Yeah, I was going to say, unless you, all you want to grow is potatoes. Yeah, you know? or, or transplant, like to, like to peppers and tomatoes. There's fine if you have a transplant, but if anywhere you're going to put the seed in the ground, it'll stop those from germinating as well for up to two years. Right. Okay. So, so I guess it depends. If you're prepared for that, yep. you, if you want a garden with no weeds growing in it, you can do that, but you're going to have to transplant everything into it. Yeah. You can't, you can't. No more seeding. No more, no more seeding. seeding. Exactly. Okay. Uh, we had a text that uh, called in, or uh, pardon me, a text that wrote in and said, Hey, what's the name of that, uh, that spray again for the ticks? Cause we were talking about yep. it earlier in the show and it's called Trounce. It's made by a Safer's company. Yep. And, uh, it's called Trounce Mosquito and Tick Insecticide. It's a one you hook on. It's called ready to spray. It's, a, it's, it's a one liter bottle, but you hook it right onto the garden hose and it has an attachment right onto it and you just go around the yard and spray. Now, there, there's one caveat I'll say is that cause, uh, it's, it's safe for, for, for people. And it's safe for dogs. The only thing it do is it's very, very small amount of pyrethrin. In well, point two percent. When 0.2%. I was looking it up, actually, point two percent is considered a low enough ratio for cats. Yeah. But it's not. A, let's spray it on my cat to eliminate um, 
ticks, ticks on, on my cat. It's for your that. yard to eliminate ticks right, in yeah. your yard. We did have a, did have a, a texter just, who mentioned, yeah, pyrethrin yeah. is you know yeah. is, is toxic this, to cats. This so. is the lowest amount, so it won't be that toxic. But just let make sure it dries first before you let your cat out. That's all. Right. So if you're going to spray this in your yard, let yep. it dry yep. before mm-hmm. the cat is out in the yard. Yep. And it is such a low amount; it's 0.2 yep. percent in this in this yeah. product. Yeah. It's a very low low. So so all you can go up to 0.15 of pyrethrin was what they used to actually spray on a cat in a vet in a vet clinic too so it is like you're spraying this on on a yard but they are actually using a pyrethrin mixture to to get rid of ticks in a clinic but it's at a very very low rate right okay so so we won't we won't disagree that it's toxic but this this product in particular is at a rate that it's not going to be a problem for your cat we just don't want them out there when it's when it's it's still wet when it's wet and rolling in it and all that kind of stuff yeah Yeah, right so keep the kitty inside until this product is dried out and and everything should be just fine and of course if you ever see a pet having issues everything everybody reacts differently always call your vet and of course and, yeah and of course help that way. exactly one 332 8255 and the phone lines are lighting up already which is great so we're going to go to wawota saskatchewan and talk to ken good morning ken good morning good morning happy mother's day out there all these mothers <laughs> thank, you. thank you rick we had that bad storm down here uh two weeks ago and yep. uh I had a lot of really strong wind and ice, and uh, about half of my north row of evergreens going east and west broke off about a third of the top half. Yep. And it really made a mess. And I'm wondering if there's some pruning or something I should do. Yeah. Or will those just recover all on their own? They'll recover, but the best thing to do is you want is that, the, the of course, when the wind comes along, it doesn't make a nice clean cut, okay? Right. It kind of rips the bark down a bit and those kind of things, right? Yeah, we got some of those trunks are three, four uh, foot yep. uh, splinters. Yeah. Them. So what you want to do is clean it up so that the water doesn't sit whenever it rains and that kind of stuff. If you if you get rain down there yet. Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> so you get lots of snowstorms that, but otherwise, so the water doesn't sit in those crevices and just rot up there. Okay. I see. So, so if you want to cut, make, make a clean cut and even take a, sometimes how do you get up there though? Some of them are pretty tall, I would imagine. But otherwise, you can just cl- make a clean cut and a little bit of an angle, you know, so that the water doesn't sit in those areas. Okay. That, that's all you really need to do. Otherwise, they'll recover. It's just cleaning them up so that, you know, you don't have water sitting in the crevices. That's all. Okay. Okay. Well, we can do that. Yep. yep. That'll be perfect. All right. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Have a great day, Ken. You bet. You too. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. I think we got time uh, to squeeze in one more call here. Doug is in Saskatoon. Good morning, Doug. Hello. Hi there, Doug. How are you? What's your question for us? Uh, yeah, we uh, planted a calla lily. We started in the house, um, and it's, <laughs> it's done really well. It's just about three feet tall. Um, so I wondered if we could just uh, put it outside and leave it outside now, or is it, should we just bring it in at nights and stuff? Now, if it's a if it's about three feet tall, I'm guessing it's a canna lily that you've planted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you want to make sure you keep it in the house. You can put it out during the day, but you want to bring it in at night. It's these nighttime temperatures, and with a canna, you want those nighttime temperatures to be sitting around five, about seven to ten degrees at nighttime before you're keeping it out consistently. So just put it out during the day. It'll harden it off at least for for five days. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then just make sure nighttime temperatures are yep. above 10 degrees. Above 10 yep. degrees, and then you're good to go. So we're looking probably about May long weekend, weekend after, or first week of June, you'll be good to go there. Okay, and uh, like we got some uh, some lilies and stuff we want to plant here. Uh, they're actually starting to sprout, so we need to get them in the ground here pretty soon. 
Yep. I wonder if we could do that now, or should we wait yep. for you another week? Plant them, you could plant them in the ground now. The lilies will be tough enough. Uh, just, just You can do that and just cover them if it's down below zero. Perfect. Thanks, Doug, for your call today. we got to run to our news update right now for everybody. And we're back with a text line just after that. I'm Jay Thomas with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Hi, welcome to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM, 980 CJME. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke, and it is Mother's Day. It's a two-hour Garden Talk special, of course. We do this, we do this all spring because there's, there's always so many calls to get yep, through and so absolutely. many texts to come in that one hour just isn't enough to do it all. So here we go. We're in the middle of hour number two, and we've got our text line that's absolutely full to talk about. One, I, I think I want to talk about real quick. Yes. Is that people are calling in, how do I fix my dog spots? In the lawn. Yeah, because that's okay. a big thing is that we're all kind of getting the lawn rehabbed right now. That's that's a big one. So two things you can do is you can, first of all, just take your a, a, a water can or a bucket or something like that and leach those areas out. Okay? So and soak it with, soak, with well, fresh water. Po- getting po- rid of the aretha. Po- 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 a garden po- fork into it a little aerated a bit. And then what you can do is just take a, a, there's a dog spot repairs, which is a mulch and a grass seed. Or you can just take straight grass seed if you want and just work some grass seed, rake it into that area. And then, and then it'll grow back up. And then after you do that, uh, then you can use, start using at least three times a year. You call, use a product called Organic Dog Spot Prevent. Okay. It's, it's like a fertilizer. And it's, you put it's it, granule? It's granular. And so you put it onto those areas, especially if you've got an area where the dogs are always going yeah. in the wintertime. And then you put that on there or the neighbors are walking down the, you know, the, the street and they always pee on your lawn, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. So you can do that area too if you want. And then this helps prevent that from the, your lawn going brown again. And, and it works really well. It's a really popular product. It's made in a company out of Evolve, uh, a Dirt and Grow out of Winnipeg. And uh, it's all organic and it does a really great job of preventing those dog spot. Okay, very good. Excellent. Let's go to the text line, one 332 8255 Jay's in Swift Current and says, uh, uh, this is one little trick that, that he's got, uh, blood meal, uh, or maybe it's bone meal, but wrote blood meal. Yeah, blood meal too, yeah. Uh, around the spring bulbs has kept the deer and the rabbits from eating them. Actually, that, a, that works very well. Yeah. That's a good, good point there. I used to put there. blood meal, before I put a deer fence around the nursery, I used to spread blood meal around the perimeter of the property. Oh, okay. Yep. Very good. Uh, he's looking for a tree that'll withstand some wind. Uh, it turns out the wind is is made worse around his house by the angle of the garage and the house, just the way it, it funnels through. Yes. Uh, had a hot wings maple, which is always repeatedly broken by the wind when the wind picks up and gets pretty severe. What's another option we've got for a tree? Tree that's going to be tough with something like that. I know there's there's limits yep. for everything, but yep. there are trees that are a little more a little bit, resilient. A little more, probably try something like a True North Linden. Okay, that one will do really well. Um, the other one would probably be in that type of an area. I'm trying to think here. If you don't have very much space, you know, depending what spaces, you can do a Dakota Pinnacle Birch. I've got those in my yard. Okay. Yeah, those, those will do really well, and uh, and they don't take up a lot of space as well. But they're very tough, and they'll they'll stand up to that kind of wind. So those ones, um, Dakota Pinnacle and, um, and Aspens, of course. Yeah, if you use a Swedish Aspen, you might have trouble with those ones too. With if there's a big wind, uh, or otherwise, a like a a bur oak or 
like really tough. You can't, mm-hmm. you know, it just grows a little bit slower. That's right. But I mean, it'll be there forever. So a bur oak, a linden, yep. a true north linden, or a Dakota pinnacle birch are yep. a couple of good ideas. Yep. My my Dakota pinnacle birch, I know the, the snow was so high in my yard this winter where they grow yep. that the, the branches actually were in the snow. And as the snow melted, it bent the branches down. Yep. But you know what? They never broke. Nope. It's a, it's got a main trunk, yep. but all the branches off of it are very um, pliable, pliable, yep. supple. They're you know yep. they're very flexible, yep. so they they don't seem to bust in the wind. They just kind of remind yep. me a little bit of willow in a way, like yeah, they just kind of bend like they that. kind of bend. They yeah. kind of bend, and they've got they're they're flexible that way. So that's a couple ideas for you there, Jay. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. This is Lane and Regina. Uh, Looking for potting soil. Recommending recommendation for soils in bags. What's a what's a great potting soil? So to use? some of the potting soils I use, I use a, a ProMix HP mix in my hanging baskets. That's what I grow in here. Um, something similar that you can get is just the ProMix. Um, all-purpose uh, planting mix that's great for your containers it has a wetting agent in it and it's going to dry evenly from top to bottom um, if, if it's you're really hot and windy then there's a product called soil moist mm-hmm. and you can add that to the soil and what's it's it's basically a little polymer which basically absorbs the water it reminds me of as it's mother's day a gel that you would find in a diaper yeah it's what it reminds me of and so it, when, it, when you water it just expands but you have to be careful by instructions because otherwise it expands so much pushes your plants out of the pot yeah. okay. like those little beads everybody uses in in yeah. in features on tables at weddings now yes. right yeah. and they soak up the water yeah. and they're exactly they're a, a gel right yeah, yeah. So, so it's so called soil moist that's what it's called you can add that to it um but the biggest thing is is make sure you do not use topsoil or take out your garden soil and put that into your pots you're gonna get hard as rock cement in your pots that's (laughs) you water it too often it compacts that soil down so you will not be successful if you do that so make sure you use a good all-purpose potty mix my favorite personally is the pro mix brand um, but you can use the miracle grow brand as well too there's lots of great great mixtures that you can use um but yeah those are my top there's a there's a reason why we use potting soil mm-hmm. in pots. If you have a huge pot, you can fill the bottom up with maybe some peat, coca core, or topsoil in the bottom, and then use the good soil in the t- in the top, but you probably want about 12 to 14 inches in the top of the pot. Excellent. one 332 8255 Joni's in Saskatoon. Good morning. We've got a ponderosa pine in our backyard. As it grows, there's now a couple of branches near the base of the trunk that have lost their needles. Can we prune those off, or do we have to leave them? We have poor luck with a lot of trees, and this one is stayed with us so far it's yep. about 30 feet tall yep just wait until till middle of middle of june then you can prune it off not a problem okay right now pines are in the same category i i always call them in the same category as birches and maples mm-hmm. they tend to bleed a little bit this time of the year so just wait until until um basically to the end of june and then you can prune that off no problem all right uh loreen asks and this is something we talked about last show a couple shows ago when is roundup being taken off the market it's being taken off the market by roundup company in monsanto and no, it's not by i think it's owned by Bayer now it's not monsanto Bayer, anymore. Yep, Bayer. and uh, they're taking it off the market at the end of this year you won't be able to buy it retail anymore farmers will be able to get it still uh, but retail are taking it off of the retail market at the end of this year. If we still have it available, it's not the government or Health Canada taking it off. It's actually bare itself. So if we have some extra in our warehouses, we we're can allowed still to sell, sell it. it. So we're allowed to sell it if we have it still in stock, but we won't be able to buy it from the bear company anymore. They're taking it right off the market. Does Roundup go bad? Uh, as long as it doesn't freeze. Okay, so if it's not frozen, it'll last a very long time. Yep. yep. That's my question because might have Are to. Are you buying it in bulk? I might have to. <laughs> 
<laughs> I got lots of gravel in my yard that I, that it's around the edge of of my property yeah. and and you know as much as I've, I I'll be honest as much as I tried the other products. Yeah. Roundup is still the one that takes care of the weeds. Yep. So. Just, just read the instructions. All yes. use anything you use, whether it's Drano underneath your sink or bleach underneath your sink or any chemical used in the yard. You go by the instructions Absolutely. and be careful anytime you use anything, and only use it where you need it to use exactly. it. Don't nuke You don't need a nuke. And watch yard. your runoff areas too. Yeah. Russ in Rose Valley. How much uh, fertilizer? Six twenty twenty nine. So that's the fertilizer yep. numbers. Is that what we talked about here? Yes. Nine, yep. 9S. Should we put in a hill of potatoes? We've got good soil and normally get 15 to 30 spuds per plant. So it's asking, he's just asking how much of that new uh, potato-specific fertilizer do we use? Okay, here it goes. Uh, pl- uh, a planting put um, 2.2 pounds per 105 square feet. So one kilogram per me- 10 meters square. And it comes in a two-kilogram bag. So half a bag per... Per 105 square feet. Yeah. Or 105 so like square 10, feet. 10 by 10 area. 10 by 10 area. Is half a bag. Half yeah. a bag. So, so it'll be a 20 by 20 plot. One bag will cover it. 120. There you go. Okay. okay. So, uh, and, that, and, and that's, you know, in a hill of potatoes, it just all depends, Russ, well, because, on the square footage, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. That's right. So just go okay. by that. Okay. Uh, Brad and Dundurn, this is kind of one of the questions we talked about a little bit, but is it too late to prune poplars? That would be too early, right? Yeah, no, poplars. You, you can do you them can anytime. Pretty anytime. much do them anytime. anytime. I mean, it's always best once they're in full leaf okay. again to prune them right this time of the year. But I mean, poplars are not like maples. Not they won't bleed and bleed and bleed like crazy. No, poplars are so tough it doesn't matter yeah. really. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, his other question from Brad is, I've got wild Saskatoon berries. How do I make the berries bigger? How do you make them bigger? Yeah, how do you get berry fertilizer that we have from Evolve? Yeah, using a a, a water is the one because last year they've been bad. Also, um, just watching the last couple of years, uh, we've had a bad, uh, which is uh, called a rust. Okay, Okay. it's a fungal in them. Mm -hmm. And so if you had that fungal where it looks like your berries and your leaves look like they have these little... Uh, like beards on them, like tentacles. <laughs> okay, yeah. It almost looks like Omicron, but yeah. It, seriously, it has little pokey little little things, tentacles on it. You know. Oh. And okay. you use you use Bordeaux to to fix that. Okay, it's it's copper sulfate, and uh, but uh, do it after you spray after finished blooming. But otherwise, using a, a berry fertilizer, no, low nitrogen, but all your calcium and your all your boron, magnesium, those kind of things. Micronutrients, yeah. And your micro and and keeping not wet but just moist, and that's where you'll get bigger berries. Okay, let's take a quick break. The last segment is coming up. We're going to be lightning round for the text line when we get back. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Well, time flies when you're having fun, and it's the last segment of Garden Talk already. Happy Mother's Day. It is Mother's Day to end all the moms out there. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Get to spend it with your kids and your family and do some good, fun fun things today. You know, I'm, I'm going back to mom, my mother-in-law's place. We did Mother's Day with my mom yesterday and then my mother-in-law today. And I think uh, my father-in-law's doing crepes. So I'm pretty excited mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. For Sunday brunch. Mm-hmm, exactly. Uh, we've got the lightning round right now of all the texts we've got to get answered. We're going to go as fast as we can get through some of these. Gene and Regina, enjoy your two-hour program. Thanks, Gene. Would you mind sharing how much soil I could place at the base of evergreen so I could plant some annuals or perennials? The trees are high. They're trimmed high, about eight feet. Now, the problem is is that you can do that. You can put up to two inches maximum, okay? But the problem is as soon as you put those plants, that new soil and the plants in there, the roots from the the spruce tree are going to go 
right up into it like crazy, say thank you very much, and then you're just going to, it's not going to last very long. So you're better so off doing container gardening is your friend. Gardening. I was going to say. Mulch it and container garden. Mulch yeah, it down. Put a and few then, pots yeah. down, put a few stepping stones, set a container on top. You, you're just, you're never going to, you're going to make it worse. You, it's, <laughs> the annuals yeah. or perennials won't survive. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. No, the tree no. will just take over. Yes. There you go. Uh, this is, who is this from? Jamie, near Watson. Good morning. I brought a prairie sensation apple tree at Dutch Growers last year. Looks like it made it through the winter. What's your best recommendation for me this year on how I can give it the best chance growing forward? What things do I do for water, fertilizer, that sort of stuff? Just keep moist, not wet. Just moist. Okay. okay. And then use that berry, fruit and berry fertilizer. It's an organic fertilizer, low nitrogen, but it has all the other micronutrients so that your plant gets a good start. Just do it once in the spring and then you're good for the rest of the season. Okay, perfect. Sheila in Saskatoon, my cucumbers that I started inside are starting to have some yellow leaves. What am I doing wrong? Uh, might be just lack of nutrients or not enough light that is what I would probably one. say. So um, just give it a little bit of fertilizer and uh, more some more light and, and, and let's hope out, for some wet, warm and, weather. And start putting outside during the day. Put it out during the day, bring it in at night is the best yep. thing for she it. She also too. says I made an alfalfa tea, which mm-hmm. you can use on those. But how long? How can I store the unused tea? How, how long can I keep it? Well, the problem is it goes moldy, right? It gets <laughs> stinky. So yeah. try to make as much as you can and then put some whatever's left over in your house plants. and. Or you can you dump know, it in your garden outside. Side put it in your garden or put it on some of your shrubs or whatever. Yeah, just use it up anywhere you can. Yeah. You could actually throw it on the lawn. It wouldn't hurt that either. Not at all. Right? So yep. lots of places it can go. So you probably don't want to keep it too it, long. It just gets moldy and stinky and <laughs> smelly. So once <laughs> it does that, then it's done. It's organic, so it's breaking down, right? It's, That's right. Yeah, decomposing. Okay. This is Caleb from Main Prize, Saskatchewan, Main Prize Regional Park. The grass golf green seed question. Sorry, I just got to look at this here. Yep. Um, I've been looking for bent grass or Bermuda for putting green, for my uh, cutting green. green. Pardon me, yep. cutting green. Is there anywhere in Regina that I can get that grass seed? I know Early's in Saskatoon has it. Um, I don't, not that I know of. Okay. I think you might. They, they they'll put it in the mail for you. They'll they'll ship it to you. No problem from Early's. Uh, they supply all the golf courses. They're going to have it. So I, so yeah. So Caleb, you were saying yeah. you know it's a it's a long drive to Early's just for some grass seed. Yeah. They'll mail it to you. Yeah. They do lots of online orders. Yes. Yeah. So so that's the way you can get that out to Regina. Uh, this is from Linda in Regina. Last year, our cucumbers were the shape of golf balls. <laughs> not normally, not, not that cucumber shape. Yep. What did I do? What did I do wrong? What can I do this year so it doesn't happen? Most so of the time when I see a deformation in the fruit, it's due to moisture. Yep. Um, so yep. that's usually what I'm seeing. So too much or too little. Too much or too little or inconsistent watering. So yep. that's, that's usually what it was. It was a really hot year last year. So that's what I'm assuming it might and be. Make sure fertilizer for vegetables that has calcium in it mm-hmm. is huge for cucumbers, peppers, Tomatoes. Tomatoes, those kind of things as well. Trevor and Prince Albert, I planted eight Brandon cedars around a fire pit for a windbreak. How do I fertilize and top trim the, you know, top trim the, the bushes as well? I want wider rather than tall the next okay, few years. So just keep the, keep the top nipped as a new growth comes. Just let it force out the bottom. So just do it as it's growing. Okay. Okay. And then using a, if you want nice lots of growth, use a 30, 10, 10, depending how big they are. Okay. If they're only about four feet tall, use about uh, two liters of water. If they're ten, six, eight, 10 feet tall, then go increase that by, you know, up to four liters, uh, you know, uh, up to five gallons for a 16 foot uh, Mm -hmm. plant. Big big cedar. Okay. Perfect. Water mixed with the fertilizer, according to the instructions. Margaret in Saskatoon, I'd like to move two smaller hydrangeas. They're not butting out or don't have any green on them yet. ASAP. So get it right away before it's green. Yep. Right away. Okay. This weekend. Don't do it in the heat. Well, Are we, okay, there you go. Yeah. Chris and Herschel, good morning. We live on a farm. I'm wondering if there's a species of tree that could thrive planted next to a 
sewer pump out? Well, the problem with the sewer pump out is that you don't want the roots to go in there and and cause problems. Okay, if it's if it's a if it's a, a, what's called a infiltrator system or a mound, your best is to keep plants away from that area mm. completely. Okay, you yeah. just don't want you don't want to plug up with roots of any kind of plant. Okay, so best advice for that. Yep. Yeah, Marion and Regina, how do you get rid of thistles? Thistles is a, is a tough one, either to keep them mowed down all the time, but they spread by root or by seed. Don't let them go to seed. It's a big one. And okay. spread corn gluten around if you don't want that seed uh, to seed spread, Seed grow. Too. Otherwise, what you do is you take that little bit of, of Roundup and you just give it just a little spritz and just spray it just right on top of the head of it and let it sort of dribble down the branch so you're not getting anything else, just a little dribble. And in 14 days, that'll be gone to the root. Okay. See if we can get one more in. Uh, one more text here. Uh, Al from Saskatoon. I've been growing potatoes, purple outside skin and white inside. And it's I can't called Karib. Karib, okay. Yep. For probably 20 years from year to year. They used to be huge before, and now they're not very big, and some of them are only the size of your, they used to be some of the size of your fist. Yep. Lots of growth, but small potatoes. I've used alfalfa on top, but it starts to mold. So, yep. so there again, try some of this other, uh, the fertilizer is called, um, uh, you Problem, 6-2029-S. The problem is that this this is a fertilizer because it was lacking our industry. So this is a fertilizer that our group of gardens, 40 garden centers across Canada put together. Yep. And so you just can't get it anywhere and because it's a special for potatoes. You can buy it in Saskatchewan and yep. Dutch Curse, Saskatoon and Dutch Curse, Regina. It's called Home and Garden Excellence, the 6-2029-S. Mm-hmm. If we didn't get to your text, we are going to text you back. There's just a few more we didn't get to on the air. But that is pretty much it for the show today. We're wrapping things up. Got to say again, once more, happy Mother's Day to Happy my mom. Mother's Day. Happy Make Mother's sure Day. you fertilize your plants that you got for Mother's Day. It's so, so important. Yep. Yes, keep fertilizing them. Those hydrangeas, those hanging azaleas, baskets, baskets. baskets. Anything you got, remember they were on constant feed in the greenhouse and they need to keep eating in your home. Well, hopefully you're eating in your house too for Mother's Day. Have a nice brunch or whatever you're doing today. And we'll see you next weekend. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. This has been Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.